Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. I am Barry, one of the elders here. I see a few people that are kind of new to me, so I just want to let you know. Excited to have you. Um, we're in this new series on the book of Mark, and if you, if you understand anything about the Bible, the, the Mark is one of the four Gospels that really teach us about the life of Jesus. And it's really important that we look at Jesus. But here's what is, is even more important, is that we look at the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus that we've kind of concocted or maybe heard about along the way, but the actual Jesus of the Bible. Somebody that I know, some of you guys know, I won't give their name, but they were in a, a meeting in a church. Church is kind of recreating itself, trying to turn back to uh, healthiness. And, uh, and in this meeting, they, they've got this old window that's got a picture of Jesus you know, in it, and they wouldn't pull the screen down to show the words all the way because they didn't want to cover up the picture of Jesus. And so they're in this discussion, and, and my friend says, oh, you mean the Eastern European, uh, you know, um, that picture, depiction of Jesus, and everybody got kind of quiet and kind of nervous and kind of like, can you really say that? But the idea here is that all of us come with kind of the vision and the idea of, of who Christ is. Some of it's really good and healthy, but here's the thing that's important to understand is that Jesus is like this fine jewel and it's got all of these sides and you have to be able to look at it from every angle and it's glorious and it's be- He's beautiful and you never plumb the depths of who Jesus is. So here's what I want you to do in this series as we walk through Mark. If you're someone who's kind of new to the things of God and new to the church or, or maybe renewing your time with the church, come with your eyes wide open and hear and see who Jesus really is. Because the book of Mark gives us a great vision of who Jesus is. But here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you, you've, you've kind of been down that road and you've heard all of the sermons and you've read all of the books, I want you to do the same thing. Come with fresh eyes. See who Jesus is. Because here's what the Bible teaches us, 2 Corinthians 3. When we look at Jesus in His glory, when we see Him in all of His glory, the Bible says that we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. And so we never get to the end of our growth. We never get to the end of seeing who Jesus is, like Corey talked about last week, right? And how do we follow Him? We have to see who He is Pastor Josh said the other day, I thought it was really good, sometimes you have to see what Jesus does to see who He is so that we see how we follow Him. And that's what I want us to really dig into is who is Jesus? What's He done? Last week, I'll catch you up and then we'll pray. So last week, Corey really walked us through the first 15, actually 19, 20 verses of the book of Mark. And we see Jesus, the Son of God. The Messiah, the one that they have been waiting for, right? That's who Jesus is. He's the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. The one who's going to come and rescue the people of God. The one who's going to come and save. Now, 
Everybody only has seen what we've seen up to this point. All the hearers, all of the readers, they've read the Old Testament and they've read up to this point what we've heard in the book of Mark. And so their understanding is still pretty shallow and pretty, pretty low, but, but, but they're beginning to see. And what, what, what Corey really taught us last week is that Jesus has this message of the kingdom then, and ultimately, we know that He is not only the messenger, but He's the message, right? It's about Him. And He calls us to repent and believe. This two-sided coin. Repentance is to turn with our sin to Jesus so that we can turn away from our sin and walk on His pathway and trust in Him. And so this week, what we're going to really dig into is the idea that Jesus is the ultimate authority, if you don't get anything else about today, it's this, that Jesus is the authority and He deserves your surrender, your submission. That's what I want to call us to today. And last week, at the very end of the passage that Corey dealt with, he said, well, how do you follow? This is Jesus the Messiah. How do you follow Him? And, and Jesus taught, teaches us something about that because He calls His first disciples and, he, and, and, they're, and they're fishermen. He says, hey, follow me. They drop their nets and they follow Jesus. They drop their life. They drop everything. They give everything up to be followers of Jesus. To follow Him. And He's a rabbi. And so the idea of following a rabbi is like, hey, come under my teaching. Spend time with me. Spend life with me. Follow me on the day to day and see what it looks like to follow Christ. See what it looks like to live this life. And so you and I, we're not just called to to believe a doctrine, a teaching. We're called to leave our lives and surrender ourselves to the authority of all mankind and walk with Him. And so we're going to dig into um, the verses 21 through 39. And I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read those verses. And then we're going to dig in. Father, You are the King. Your Son Jesus came. And He lived perfectly. And Lord, we're going to look at Him. Let us see Him in all of His glory so that we might be transformed from one degree of glory to another. We cannot surrender on our own in our own power, but God, by Your grace, as we see the true King, King Jesus, we can come under and we can live in Your power and we can live lives that make much of You and Your Son. In Jesus' name, Amen. Beginning in verse 21. Mark chapter 1. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have, you done, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing, came out of him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed. So they, they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and, obey, and they obey Him. 
And at once his fame spread through everywhere, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick, oppressed by demons, and they, the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while he was still dark, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next town so that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So here's what I want us to see today. You can follow Jesus by surrendering to his authority, by depending on him in prayer, and by joining him on his mission to the next peoples, to the next places. Those three things. So surrender to his authority, depend on him in prayer, and join him in his mission to the next places. I want to walk through a few of the scriptures, and then I want to touch on some biblical principles that really apply to us today. As we, as we begin this kind of as we begin this, this day in the life of Jesus, he's in Capernaum. And, and as, he's, as he's there, this is a place in the province, the greater province, like a county um, of Galilee. And so there's many towns and cities in this place. And um, on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, uh, he entered the synagogue. It was the day of the Sabbath, the day where teaching took place. And he goes in and he begins to teach. And, and they're astonished. They're blown away by his teaching. They've never heard such teaching with authority. Jesus brought a command with him, an authority. Authority was a really big deal in that day, kind of as it is in our day. And authority is something that many of you guys really understand. And the people in Jesus' day understood, and he walked in an authority that they'd really never seen. Verse 23, it says, And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so this unclean spirit, it's a fallen angel, Right? It's not, it's not a person who's now dead. It's a fallen angel. It's a, it's a d- demon. And that he, he notices exactly who Jesus is. And he realizes the power and the authority that Jesus has. And he kind of comes against it. He points him out. And Jesus, he, Jesus deals with this demon immediately. He says, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Now I know some of you are going, okay, well yeah, that's kind of old school, old time. Like that's stuff that happened back in Jesus' day. And it's not stuff that really happens in the world today. And we're going to actually dig into that a little bit more in chapter 5. So come on back, you know, in chapter 5 in a number of weeks. And we'll kind of deal a little bit more about this whole idea of unclean spirits. But the deal is, is that we live in a world where there's a spiritual realm. We live in a world where it's not just us in the physical. There's a spiritual world. 
There's angels, there's demons, it's real. Um, I, I could tell you stories, I won't tell you a bunch of stories, but, but things that we saw in different places. I'm sure some of our brothers have served in different places in the world. Um, and, and the idea here that, that you need to see is that these demons, they're, they're a part of Satan's um, posse, a part of his realm, and they're opposed to God and the things of God. They hate God and the things of God. And when Jesus comes on the scene, like there is a, there's opposition, but there's no fight. There's no contest. Notice what happens here. <clears throat> and crying out with a loud voice, this, this demon comes out of him, and they were all amazed. And so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? And so it's interesting how this goes down. They see Jesus, have, he has authority in his teaching. He has authority in the spiritual realm that's very visible, very present, and they point back to the teaching. They know that his power and his authority in the spiritual realm is connected to his teaching. That's important. We're going to touch on that in a minute. And he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. There's no contest. They obey him immediately. No fight, no battle. They just leave. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all, all the surrounding region of Galilee. And so that's one of the things that Mark kind of points out is that Jesus gets famous even though he's making a point not to be famous, right? He's constantly saying, hey, don't speak my name. Don't tell anybody what I've done. And, and he still becomes more famous. There's power in this man. He has authority the God-man, Jesus. And immediately, verse 29, it says, He left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, Simon's mother-in-law, who's going to be Peter. Peter uh, Simon's going to be Peter. Um, lay ill in bed with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. So not only does Jesus have authority in his, his teaching, not only does He have authority in the spiritual realm, He has authority over sickness because He heals her. She gets up and she begins to serve. One of, the, one of the themes of the whole book of Mark is servanthood. Jesus is the servant Savior. And so here, um, Simon's mother-in-law, she gets up and she begins to serve them. And so we don't know how sick she was. We don't know if she was on her deathbed or we don't know if it was just kind of a, a minor fever. But he lifts her up and she's fine. So there's authority. Do you see that? He has authority in every realm. Spiritual, physical, right? Teaching, intellectual. He is the authority. He's the commander. That evening at sundown, they brought all to him who were sick. So the Sabbath is over, right? It gets dark. The sun comes down. And so they bring everybody out. And Jesus is there. And he just heals. And he casts out demons. And he, he lives out this idea that he's the authority. He's the commander. They all see it. They're all talking about it. It says here, the whole city was gathered at the door. So like, there's something happening. You ever, you ever been at a place where everybody, remember, remember back in like grade school or middle school, there's a fight and like everybody in the whole school was there to watch, right? Like that's what's going on here. There's like, there's something happening and everybody's there. They must get there to see what's going on. And, and, he, and, and then it says in verse... Uh, 30, 33, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so we see 
all of these themes really breaking out in the life of Jesus in the book of Mark. And so I just want to point out a few things and, and really give you a principle about who Jesus is. In His miracles and in His message, Jesus has complete authority. He is the King. In His miracles and in His message, Jesus has complete authority. He is the King. We're going to talk about how we follow Him in a minute. But that's the beginning place. And I want you to know that this morning. He's got authority. He's the commander. He deserves, and if you are a follower, demands your surrender, your submission. The people, when they heard Him teach, they were astonished. When they watched Him overcome all of nature and, and he, with His power, they were astonished. They were amazed. And they knew it had to do with His message, His teaching. Nobody had ever seen authority like that before. Even the demons obeyed Him. They listened to Him. Some people would say the demons obeyed better than the other people because the demons, when He told them not to speak, they didn't speak. When He told people that He healed to speak, often they would speak, right? But there's no contest when Jesus meets a, ma a match. When He steps into a scenario, there's no contest. Most of you guys are not old enough to remember this, but I got to see it firsthand. Anybody know who Mike Tyson is? Mike Tyson, back in the day, late 80s, early 90s, pay-per-view, my buddy, my, bu my, my buddy's dad would always get it, and I was there. I mean, we were going to watch. And so, so anyway, I remember this one. I think it was Marvin Frazier. The fight's getting ready to happen. My buddy's sitting there. His dad's sitting there. My buddy gets up to go get some food. We always had you know, a little spread. He goes up to get some food. And before he comes back in, Marvin Frazier, 31 seconds, is down. No contest. Right? My buddy's like, oh no. Like, what in the world? That was the, it was, it's just really like horrible. But that's like, like, like it's, it's more than that. Greater than that. When Jesus enters into the fray, there's, there's not even opposition. He's just the King. He's just the King. And I want us to recognize that in our lives. Do you believe that? And see, here's what I want you to know about these miracles. These miracles are amazing. He, 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 we see in, in the life of Jesus so far, He heals the sick. The sickness leaves. It doesn't even seem like there was a word spoken. He just grabbed her hand and lifted her up. Jesus just speaks. He doesn't have to do anything. There's no, there's no crazy hocus pocus stuff. He just speaks and the demon leaves. It convulses and leaves. He's got power. He's got authority like no one has ever heard. But I want you to know these miracles, they're important, but we're going to see in our story today that they're not the main thing. They're not the most important thing. They point to the main thing. Kind of like a sign, right? Anybody have a place that you love to go and there's a sign that kind of represents that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe for you it's Disney, right? For our family, as we, we lived in Maine for many years, and so when you cross the, the river, the bridge over from New Hampshire into Maine, there's this sign and it says, Maine, and it says, the way life should be. And so, man, when we were to making that trek with a bunch of little kids, 
you know, all the way from North Carolina back to Maine, and we hit that sign, maybe just Missy and I, but we would wake the kids hollering and screaming. We were still an hour and a half from home, but that sign was like, hey, we're almost there. We're almost there. And look, the way life should be, I mean, for some people that's just not the case, but, but here's what it represented for us. It represented our home. It represented the, the nice warm wood stove in, in the winter. It represented the people of God that, that the Lord had kind of put in our lives. It represented the 3,000 miles of rocky coastland that, that makes its way all the way. I don't know how that works, but, but all the way on the coastline of Maine, it represents the cold water lakes that are beautiful and deep and, and not nasty. It represents like a lot of like good stuff, right? That's what it represented to us. But here's the thing. If we stopped and we just stopped at the sign, right? We missed. The sign was great. Told the story. But the sign pointed to something bigger and better. And that's what we're going to see with Jesus here. I totally stole that illustration from somebody else, y'all. Just, I just felt like I needed to confess that. But, but, but this sign pointed to something better. And these miracles, they point to something better. And you're going to see it in Mark chapter 16. This little thread's going to run all the way through. And then in Mark chapter 6, don't, you can read ahead if you want, because we already know the end of the story, right? But it gets better. Like, like King Jesus heals. King Jesus sets sufferers free. But it gets better. We're tempted to live in the here and now. We're tempted to relegate Jesus to intellectual space. We're tempted to get to the place where we don't really believe that He can enter into the dark spaces of our life and set us free or the people around us free, right? We're tempted to do that. Man, the American church, I mean, the, the truth is, like, like we've kind of taken Jesus and, and we've made Him um, less than He is. But the book of Mark doesn't let you do that. You see that? And that's what I want us to see. Because he's the king, he's the authority. If we stop at the miracles, we're tempted to miss the point. But don't miss them. Don't miss the power of God. Don't miss the person of Jesus. Don't miss them. That brings us to verse 35. Not only is Jesus the authority, Jesus lives a life of dependent prayer. And it's just a little snippet that you see, but it's so important for us to see. Look with me in verse 35. Here's Jesus. They've been bringing people like literally all day He worked to cast out demons. All day He was there. He taught in power. He, he healed in power. He was the authority in power all day. And then the next morning before sunup, He's out in a desolate place. The Gospels take place a lot out in desolate places. Every place matters to God where there are people. But Jesus goes beyond those to be with His Father. And it says, Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there He prayed. We don't see a bunch about the prayer. 
You can read other places about Jesus' prayer. We know that Jesus related to his, his heavenly father as his dad, as his Abba's papa. And, and we know that he, he operated in a way where, where his life was independence. The king, the authority, he still depended on God. The Gospels give us many pictures of Jesus. And here's one that kind of throws us off a little bit if you really think about it. Jesus alone out in the desolate places with His dad. Intimate, relational, quiet solitude. I think that teaches us a couple things real quick. If you're living for the Lord and you're like a mom and you got like multiple children, you need to find some time for quiet to be with Jesus. And I know you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, how am I going to do that? Husbands, figure, come alongside. Church family, come alongside. Like, like, encourage each other in that. You may not get as much as you want, but we can help each other in that. We can recognize that that's a need. There's an old story. John Wesley um, and Charles Wesley, their mom had like 18 children. And she used to put, like, she'd have this outer skirt that she wore. She'd put it over her head. And when the skirt went over her head. She was still covered, but the skirt went over her head. All the kids knew to leave her alone because she was with Jesus. And so just like, like fighting for that, pressing into that, recognizing like none of you are strong enough to be strong with the Lord without time with your Heavenly Father. Right? None of you. None of us. Anybody ever try to operate in your own power and your own strength for a while? Man, if you get as old as me, Maybe if you're 54 next month, you, you, you'll have figured out that that just doesn't work. Hopefully you figured it out before then. But there's power. Think about the, the, the young child whose dad works out of town a lot. And what does he really want or what does she really want? Just want to be with dad, right? How about the, the older couple who's aging and they've had the trips and they've had the stuff, and they've had the gifts, and they've had the houses, and they get to that place where nothing really matters but just being together, being present with the person you love. You know? And so there's this sense in Jesus that like He's got it all. Right? I mean, He is the King. Like, like they're seeing people are beating down His door. We're going to see that in a minute. They're begging to be with Him, and He goes off and He fights to be in the presence of the one who really matters, his father. He models this throughout his whole life. His life was marked by dependence on the presence of his father through prayer. So much so that when Jesus, when, 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 his, when his disciples come to him and they say, Hey, Jesus, teach us. They could have said, Teach us to cast out demons, teach us to preach. Teach us to heal the sick. And He did teach them to do those things. But they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. They knew that was like a marker. They knew that set Him apart. And that takes us to verse 36. Not only is Jesus the authority, the King, not only is Jesus living dependent prayer with His Father, but, but in, in, in verse 36 and through 39, we're going to see Jesus is resolute 
and his commitment to go to the next towns and preach. Jesus, anybody ever hear the whole idea of like start with why? The purpose of Jesus, the why of Jesus? He teaches us in this passage. It's his mission. It's to proclaim the message of the kingdom, the good news of the gospel. Jesus is resolute in that. Look with me in verse 36. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Everyone's looking for him. Everyone's searching for him. That word search is literally the word for, is like hunt. They're hunting him down. They're looking for him. And notice the, the thing here is like everybody's looking for you. Like, hey, Jesus, where are you at? Why are you out here? They're hunting for him. The same word that, that they use later on when they're hunting for Jesus to kill him. Same word. And they're hunting for him to do what they want him to do. What the people want him to do. Everybody wants him to heal. Everybody wants him to show up and to make everything okay in the here and now. And now that's a natural thing. It's a good thing. Jesus cared about the suffering of people. He healed, right? We see it in this passage. He, he cast out demons, but Jesus was about more than just that. Uh, John Piper, he's a pastor, used to be a pastor. He's, he's, old, he's kind of older than most of us here. But John Piper would say it this way. We care, and Jesus cares, and we care about suffering. All suffering. Especially eternal suffering. And so, so see, here's the thing. What Jesus is making clear here is that, that there is a, a, a place for care and for serving and for healing and for blessing people. But it comes within this idea that the mission of God is to declare the Gospel of God. That's the mission we're on. When we planted this church and, and this church kind of existed in, in my head and then my wife's like, okay, well, maybe we'll go. And then we, we, we planted this church and, and one of the passages that really kind of came out and that really kind of propelled me forward in those early days was that, that the Lord Jesus, He got alone and He prayed and He went to the next places. He went to the next towns to proclaim. For that's why He came out. He distinctly places a clear, clarifying uh, truth here. And he says, that's why I came out. I came out to seeking to save the lost. I came out to proclaim this message. Here's the problem with that. It's easier to bless somebody, to care for their sickness, to provide for their resources, than it is to preach the good news of Jesus. Right? Because, because if, you, if you say, hey, I have a need, and you go, you go fulfill that need, they're going to say thank you, right? But if you go and you say, well, you know what? Your greatest need is that you're just like me and that without Christ, you're a lost sinner in need of salvation, right? That's not, in our culture, that's not going to be met with like everybody, oh, thank you so much, necessarily. Often it is, God's at work. Habakkuk 2.14 it's in the Old Testament. It says this, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. What if we looked at five-mile radius from here? Right? I don't know if you all live in that or if you're a little beyond. If you, if you live beyond, that's cool. We can, we can go further. What if every neighborhood, 
in a five-mile radius, we just really prayed and we entered in and we looked at it as, hey, we just want to saturate this area with the gospel. And see, here, here's, here's King Jesus. Jesus goes and He preaches, but then we know the end of the story, right? He dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. He sends out His Spirit. And he says, hey, you can do greater things than I. How do we do that? How do we enter into that? Well, the only reason we enter into that is because we all have His Spirit and we all go our own way on that mission, in that purpose. And every single one of you, Every single one of you in Christ, you have the power of Christ, the authority of Christ to live this out in your life. And and, and it doesn't have to be crazy and weird, though some will think it is. But But it can be just proclaiming the good news. What's the good news of the Lord in your life today? And just sharing that nugget of good news. The other day, elders were hanging out at a restaurant, having a meeting, and, and uh, one of the elders asked the, uh, the, the lady serving us, young lady, said, hey, we, we're going to pray for our meal. Anything we can pray for you about? Like, what's one thing that we can really pray for you? And she stopped and she thought, and she said, my mind. I don't know what she meant. Exactly. I've got some ideas, but as we prayed... You know, and, and like, I know that, I mean, there's, there's mental health stuff that's real. Maybe that was what it was. Maybe it's just some thoughts that she had. But, but at the end of the day, the answer is, is King Jesus. He's the one to save. He's the one to rescue. He's the one who comes in and heals all suffering for all eternity. What if, what if we really just kind of stepped into that and walked into that and believed that? One of the things that we've done as a church is really try to organize ourselves for that mission. Like real simple. We don't do a lot of stuff, a lot of programs. We, we do three things, right? Essentially, we, we gather here on Sunday. We have missional communities where we live as a family of missionary, missionary servants. Like So we, we look to, to figure out ways to just pray for our neighbors and reach them with the good news and then serve people as God opens doors. And then we, we get together in what we call DNA groups. Discover, Nurture, Act is just to, to, to get together, read the Bible, and obey what it says. Together, right? Together. Real simple. Some of you don't like that because it doesn't fit some of what you know, church was to you or whatever. But, but, but the thing is, is that what we want to be is a church that just looks at the mission and says, hey, let's figure out how we're going to get after it together together and invite each other in it. And the best life for you is that life. That's the best life for you. And Jesus was laser focused on this, wasn't he? He prays, they come to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you not going back to where the people are and healing and everything? And he says, I must go to the next town and preach because that's why I came out. If you're in Christ, he got to you. Right? What if we bring it to that next person, that next family? You know anybody who's come to Christ because you shared or somebody shared with them? You know anybody? Do you see how that works? Younger, your family, your children, right? It comes as we go with this message. 
So what are the next steps for us? How do we live this out? How do we follow? Right? Jesus is the authority. He lived it out by dependent prayer. He still does. He prays today. And He has a mission. So how do we obey? How do we follow? You can follow Jesus by surrendering completely to His authority. Just just laying it down. And guys, I know sometimes we lay it down and we pick it back up. Right? But lay it down. Surrender to Him. Submit to Him. It's His way. Missy and I, a lot of times in the mornings, we'll get up and, and we're reading the Bible at the same time, drinking coffee. And, and you know, the other morning, she said, I just want to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. Just follow him. Surrender to him. You can follow Jesus by living a life of dependent prayer. Man, this is so hard for me. I, I, I'm, I, I just somehow figure I can do this on my own and I'll catch myself in the middle of stuff and I'm like, oh Lord, I haven't just like, just given this to you, like walked into a meeting and I figure I can figure it out on my own with my own smarts or, or deal with a child who's gone astray and, you know, try to bring them back with my own words of wisdom or lack of wisdom or whatever. But, but, but just to depend and walk, just, just to... To be with God. Prayer is learned and fueled by prayer. So just step into that arena and pray. Call on God. Ask Him to teach you. And then number three, you can follow Jesus by joining His mission. Just just share the good news with somebody else. You say, well, Barry, I don't know enough. If you're in Christ... And you've been redeemed by who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you know that He saved you because you believed on Him and turned with your sin to Him and He took your sin and He's, he's working in you. Then you, you know enough to share, right? You can turn to Jesus. You can believe on the God of the Bible. You can trust in Him. You can repent of your sin and you can be made new, not because of what you've done, but, but what He's done And you can walk in that power. And so the questions are, who is Jesus and what's it mean to follow Him? You can surrender your life. You can be dependent in prayer. Right? And you can live on His mission. You can't do this on your own. We do this together as a people of God. That's one of the great things. There's other people, maybe they're a step ahead of you, but you can walk with them in it. And so I just invite you into this. Figure out how to get in a missional community if you're not in one. Figure out how to get in a, in a DNA group where you're just discipled. And I just, I just want you to know, some of you, for whatever reason, are, are like, you're, you're kind of on the outside of that. You're here on Sundays. You're on the outside of that kind of looking in. And I, I want you to know that the best life going forward is if you enter into this life and just walk it out. Some of you know exactly what it means to be under authority. But when you enter under the authority of Jesus Christ, it will change your life. Let's pray. Father, uh, we love you. Love you a lot. Thank you for your wonderful grace. We ask you to speak. 
to each of us here and that we would respond in faith. We would respond in surrender. We would respond in prayer. And we would respond by stepping out one step on your mission. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.